today on Indies Real Estate Gurus. We're going to be talking with Brian Arnold, Realtor, with Keller Williams. Brian is what we call a whale in the industry, $60 million in sales in the last five years. He's got a team. He's on it. He's successful. You need to listen today to learn about real estate with Brian Arnold. Advisors Mortgage Group is proud to present Indy's Real Estate Gurus, hosted by Rick Ritma and Ian Arnold, the hardworking mortgage guys. Please contact Rick and Ian for all of your mortgage needs at hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Now, here's the hardworking mortgage guys, Rick Ritma and Ian Arnold. listening this is rick ripma your hard-working mortgage guy and i'm ian arnold also the hard-working mortgage guy and we're both with advisors mortgage group and listen to our podcast indies real estate gurus uh or if you have any questions for any of us uh you can go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com and as promised we have guru real estate agent brian arnold brian thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it thanks for having me um so we had, you know, we wanted to talk to you about, what, you know, why you got into real estate. Really, let's talk about the background a little bit. Where, what did you do before, and what kind of drove you to get into real estate? Well, that's a great question. So I used to work at the Pint Room in Carmel. Uh, I was the general manager there, um, managed about fifty employees. It was a lot of fun. Uh, probably would have never left it uh, had. Uh, you know, we've been going down the road of, uh, you know, you start to get older, you don't want to work as many hours, working weekends, working weekend nights. And one of my best bartenders actually started in real estate and was talking about how he was absolutely crushing it. And it made me explore that a little more. Um, and I decided to jump in with both feet and, and get into real estate, interviewed with a couple different companies around town and ultimately decided on Keller Williams would be the best fit for me. That's a, it's a, Keller Williams is considered like the top place to work is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of good real estate offices out there, but it, they have a tremendous reputation. Yeah. What kind of drew me to them was their education, their focus on education. So as a newer agent, you don't really know anything. I mean, you take that real estate exam, I think it's 90 hours of coursework. It's not a lot. Uh, and so learning the actual industry and the ins and outs of it, uh, it really gave me a leg up to hit their ground running. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting to me. I, I bartended myself years and years and years ago. And so the, your bartender got into real estate. They must have still been bartending because that's a lot of real estate people to get going. They keep their their other jobs. Did you do that or did you did you jump in full bore? No, I uh, gave my notice and jumped in full bore. And wow. I got my my uh, yeah, my first paycheck. I guess commission check was about uh, six months after I left my job. So wow, so you all, you have guts too. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it took a it took a leap of faith for sure. Were you married at the time, or just? Oh no, it's just no. me. It was just me. It was easier to make that decision when I didn't have to, anyone else relying on me. Yeah. So before real estate, before working in the in the uh, restaurant industry, what what where'd you grow up? What did you do? So I grew up in Crown Point, Indiana. Uh, so I'm a Hoosier, born and raised, um, and then. I went to Wabash College and ended up working for my fraternity after school uh, in Boston. So a little bit of a, a eclectic background. Uh, and then I came back and settled on Indianapolis. All my friends had moved here after college. And so uh, that's kind of where I decided to settle. 
Yeah. So the good news is he doesn't have that Boston accent. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you prefer here or Boston? Boston was great. Boston is wildly expensive. So, you know, when I look at Indianapolis and, and around here, what your money can get you in the life that you can have is just so much more different in the Midwest. And I think that's why Indianapolis is one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. Uh, what, you can, what you can get here for your money is tremendous, uh, along with a strong job market. Yeah, we, I, I know I don't, you might see this too. We've seen a huge insurgent of people from other areas moving into Indianapolis. A lot when the, when the pandemic hit, it seemed like we got a lot of people from California and Colorado for some reason. Uh, yeah, um, I've, I had a, uh, two clients from Colorado uh, this year. I mean, you look at other places across the country, even somewhere as close as Chicago. Uh, you know, my first condo here in Indianapolis was $85,000. My mortgage with my uh, HOA fees, everything was $630. My friend in Chicago bought a condo smaller and his his taxes were more than my mortgage payment for the year. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a crazy thing. You, that's one of the things you see when you see around around the country. Our, not only are our prices reasonable, as much as we are all complain about our property taxes, they're really reasonable here. Extremely reasonable. And it just makes your affordability just go that much further. Your dollar goes that much further. Yeah, that, it, it does. Now, you you'd said you're you're married and any kids? No kids yet. Uh, we're expecting. So we got married last year. Uh, we're expecting our first child in January, and we are currently building a house in Noblesville that's scheduled to be done before the end of the year. So doing all the things at once. Yeah. You don't have any stress in your life then, do you? Nope. Nope. None at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, the wife's going to have the stress. She's going to have to have the baby and then move in, make sure it's all ready. That's, I, we basically did that with our first one. So yeah, that's a lot to put around. Yeah. Hey, the, but I think she has a plan. She doesn't want to move everything. So she'll be pregnant with a baby. She's going to make you move everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's just going to be how it goes. So when is the house going to be done? Uh, scheduled to be done December 27th. Oh, wow. So you'll, you'll be in it before the baby's supposed to be here. Correct. Hopefully everything goes <laughs> to the plan and everything uh, stays on schedule. Yeah. Uh, that's know. awesome. A couple weeks uh, later on the build and a couple weeks early on the baby, it could be a little hairy. Yeah. I, 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 my wife was four weeks late on every all three of ours. So that's just – the doctor said that you just carry them longer than everybody else. But, yeah, yeah it's that, that can be crazy. So you're building a home in Noblesville. You are having a baby. And you have a booming real estate business. Yeah, so this year um, has been about a hundred percent increase over last year, and last year was about a hundred percent increase over wow. the year prior. So it's been uh, it's been a, a good good run here. I think it's been a good run for uh, quite a few people. Um, I think I'm in an age group that really lends itself to a a booming uh, real estate career. As as the United States is forming about 1.7 million families a year, and so a lot of the people I work with are around my age. They're doing the same things I'm doing. They're building a new house or getting a bigger space uh, because they're starting families. Yeah, and and that in, and your industry has the same issue that we have in the lending industry, and that is the average age is like 60 something years old. It's higher in the real estate industry than, than in, in the lending industry. So I think it's a perfect opportunity for somebody who, who like has the knowledge and experience that you have to really build a great career. Yeah. I, I, well, I think that, um, you know, how I got into the industry, a lot of people 
they don't have the same support system that maybe I had uh, to be able to not uh, make any income for six months. And so it's very difficult. A lot of people want to go half and half, and they do a lot of people want to do the most expensive um, transaction in their entire life with someone that's not doing it full time. Yeah, that, that can be tough. So when you're not working and you're not taking care of your family and building a house, what do you do for fun? Well, I do a lot of things for fun, but uh, you know, after managing the pint room, I, I became very accustomed to the 124 drafts they had on. So <laughs> uh, I do enjoy beverages, uh, especially beer and bourbon. So you know, whether it's a 15 percent thick barrel-aged stout that looks like motor oil, or a, uh, a nice refreshing uh, sour, um, or a saison, or, or a nice uh, lager that you can enjoy on the golf course. Uh, that's kind of something I do heavily. Uh, I am very much in, uh, you know, I'll do beer tastings and, and bourbon tastings and, uh, and then enjoy a little bit of golf as well. Well, I, I'm into bourbon. So what's your favorite bourbon? Well, th- that's a good question. I'm a, I'm a fairly uh, newbie into that. I've only been, you know, into bourbon for the last four or five years. Uh, but I enjoy a, a weeded bourbon. It's a little sweeter. Uh, you know, bourbon is more than 50% corn. Um, and so I, pr- I prefer a little more wheat there uh, in, that, in that bourbon that's uh, mostly corn. And that's kind of my, my wheelhouse. So if, if a client wants to get with you and go out over a couple beers and talk about homes, how would they reach you? Um, my number is 219-776-0622, or you can reach me at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at listingindy.com. Uh, and so that's, that's where you can get a hold of me. Uh, I also have my, my realtor page on Facebook. And uh, if you just search Brian Arnold Realtor Carmel, you should be able to come I should come up the first search on Google. Awesome. And, and we should tell everybody, you guys aren't related. No. No, no. Never met each other before, right? No. There's a lot of Arnolds out there. You'd be, you'd be so surprised. Yeah. Well, when my wife got married, she had a different last name. It was she always had to spell it. And then she, I go, hey, all you have to do is say Arnold. So she's like, and she never has. She goes, this is so much easier. I'm like, yeah, everybody knows how to spell Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you spell it normal too. Yes. Some people. I mean, I don't know. Ripma is a little different. Diff, different, but I think in some ways that's good. You know, people. I'm the only rip around. <laughs> you know, my kids are around. I mean, no, nobody else is in mortgages, and so I think that's that's extremely helpful. So, now I'm not into beer. My wife is hugely into beer. My kids. I mean, it's, it seems like both whiskey and beer right now are like really in. Well, I think uh, you look at any collectible. You look at. I mean, I would classified even bitcoin as a collectible i mean most of that stuff exploded during the pandemic people were sitting at home they couldn't go to concerts they couldn't go to the colts games they couldn't do anything and like what am i gonna spend my money on i mean i know so many people into jordan sneakers i mean i know so many people in the pokemon cards or basketball cards well i got into bourbon and beer uh even more heavily and and it's uh you know it's not just your normal beer i mean some of those beers that i have take five years to produce i mean they brewed it and then they barrel aged it and then they barrel aged it again then they bottle conditioned it um and so by the time it actually from it's made to, to the time it gets into my hands it's been four or five years which a lot of people don't realize that some of that beer is is almost like a wine i mean you can age it for 15 20 years yeah i thought beer was pretty quick yeah most of it is right yeah most of the brewing process is but the the things after 
after the fact to, to get it um, to where that brewer wants it. I mean, it's almost like a piece of art. It is amazing how they can make everything it taste differently. Now, people will say, oh, I, I taste the chocolate in it. I'm not a huge beer drinker, but if I drink it and they say it's got chocolate in it, I can't ta- – I, I don't know I'm tasting the chocolate. tastes good. <laughs> I get you a beer. I guarantee you'll taste the chocolate in it. Yeah. I can guarantee that. Yeah, I'm not a big beer drinker, so <laughs> I, I drank casually when I was growing up through college and all that. But then once I got married, my wife didn't really drink, so then I didn't drink, and so I'm the one left out of this conversation here. So with me, nice glass of milk and a thing of cookies at night, I'm just fine. Yeah, my life may be uh, trending that way here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It is funny when you have kids how much things change, especially when they're little. Yeah. Now, does your wife work? Yeah, so she's a second grade teacher at oh, okay. uh, Mount Vernon uh, over in McCordsville. Oh yeah. Yeah, so she's uh, she's excited, and she you know she has hopefully she brings that patience from uh, from her work experience home. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, trust me, you gotta have patience for those those second graders. <laughs> trust me, but that's where my boy is right now. You have to have patience. Yeah, she's a saint. So. <laughs> and. Did you meet her in the restaurants? No, we actually met on Match.com, surprisingly. Really? Yeah. So we we both, uh, our first date was on the golf course, and uh, we went Who to- Who won? We played uh, a stroke a hole, and she won. So she's actually a pretty good golfer. Last time we went out and played, I only beat her by three strokes straight up. So she is uh, she can hit the ball. Yeah, it's it's amazing. My, my wife isn't into sports, but my- Kids have dated, like my son who's married, his wife. I think the first time they played tennis, she beat him. And I never let him hear the end of that one. Just to make sure. But, you know, everybody's different. Uh, Everybody has different, you know, things that they like to do. And she's she's just really good at tennis. And he wasn't. He wasn't very good at tennis. (laughs) She was very good at tennis. So as you you moved on, you've – got your family we've talked about you know what you do for recreation sounds like you have a lot of excitement going on talked a little bit about the business but we'd really like to hear more about your business and what you do we're going to do that after the break Uh, and so when we get back we're going to talk more with brian uh, about his business and how he does real estate really what sets him apart Advisors Mortgage Group is licensed by Indiana Department of Financial Institutions. Equal housing opportunity, NMLS 33041. Rick Ritma's NMLS 664-589. Hi, I'm Rick Ritma with the hardworking mortgage guys and Advisors Mortgage Group, where we believe delivering the best mortgage for you is why we exist, and it's how we all succeed. We believe honesty, kindness, and hard work are how we honor each client. At Hardworking Mortgage Guys, we believe in custom-tailored loans, not the one-size-fits-all approach. We believe in always presenting you with all your options so you get the loan you want the way you want it. We believe in continually monitoring the rules, rates, and market trends so you don't have to. We believe in working hard to meet your closing date so that your entire plan isn't upended. We believe in offering the same quick online process that the box store mortgage companies brag about. Whether you're refinancing or buying your first home. We believe there is a best mortgage for you and we believe we are the team to deliver it. Find us online at hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Brought to you by Advisors Mortgage Group, where we believe the more you know about financing a home, the less stressful buying and refinancing will be.
Welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us. This is Rick Ritma, your hardworking mortgage guy. And I'm Ian Arno, and we're both with Advisors Mortgage Group. And if you did miss this first 15 minutes of listening to Brian Arnold talk, you have to go to a podcast and listen to it. And it is Indies Real Estate Gurus. Uh, now, I think it's time to give Brian the question of the week. I think so, too. Now it's time for Questions with the Gurus. The question of the week is brought to you by Advisors Mortgage Group, where we fit your mortgage to your needs. Contact us today to get your free mortgage plan. Go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. And if you want to also talk with Brian Arnold, how would you get a hold of him? Uh, 219-776-0622. Or you can email me at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at listingindy.com. And if you search in Google, uh, Brian Arnold Realtor, I should be the first thing that comes up on your search. Actually, Arnold should also pull up Ian Arnold, but not just going <laughs> to get in there. All right. But, all right, so Rick and I are both huge car guys. So, trick question of the week. What was your first car? My first car was a hand-me-down from my parents, and it was a Ford Escort wagon. Oh, awesome. What color? <laughs> Tan. Tan. It was perfect. Had it a, sounds like it. It started to shake a little bit when you got to about 55 <laughs> uh, miles an hour and uh, had a nice big uh, piece missing out of the grill from a shopping cart that hit it. So it was it was the perfect car for a 16-year-old. It, you know, it, it actually is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you don't want them. That's the, the key is, is you don't want them into anything that's going to go too fast or any, you know, and if it shakes at 55, you you kind of took care of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have no idea what would uh, drive someone to buy that car, but uh, I'm, I'm happy I got at least got a car when I turned 16. Right, so exactly. nice. I just need you to put the wood panels on the side. <laughs> it didn't have wood panels, thankfully. <laughs> so it was, uh, but the Ford Escorts, those things were small, and then you made it a wagon. It was, it was just a weird car. <laughs> yeah. But do you have good memories of it? Oh, yeah, great memories. That's, so. It's the first car. No matter what it seems to be, everybody has just great memories of the car. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was uh, you know king, king of the school driving up in that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot about how you got into the real estate business, and then we talked about your hobbies of this guy likes to drink, so definitely if you want that's to meet him not, at a house, no, 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 bring him a couple beers. <laughs> I, it, it was implied. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what I have found for most people, especially if you're really into it, like you don't drink a lot, but you, you savor what yeah, you have. You enjoy correct, it. Correct, correct. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. he's drunk. Come on. He's a good guy. Yeah. All right. But so let's get into how you do your business because you are a phenomenal realtor. Uh, and what makes you different than everybody, the next guy on the street? Well, what I like to say is that, you know, when you're buying a house and actually going through the process again right now, uh, is that it's extremely stressful. Um, it is emotional. It is, uh, financially stressful. It is all of the things, uh, it, it, it really puts people through the ringer, uh, when they're, when they're moving in their house. And, you know, being able to recognize that and have the experience to navigate any pitfalls that happen during the transaction, um, you know, most are going to go smooth. But when they don't, you want someone by your side that's been through it before, that knows exactly what you're going through and, and can relate and also offer solutions on a rapid uh, pace to make sure that we're, we're going towards your goal of moving 
to whatever it is, I need to downsize, or I'm having a divorce and I need to get out of this situation quickly, or I need more space for my kids because I'm having another one on the way, or I just got two more dogs, or someone, you know, my mom is not feeling as well and now I need to get uh, a bedroom on the main floor so they can move in with us. Whatever that situation is, you know, I want to get you to that goal. And there's always going to be pitfalls that, that come up. And, uh, you know, when I first started in real estate, my first year I did 70 deals. Um, I was on a team, and that team, you know, I, I'm, I would not have made it had I not joined that team. Uh, it gave me a lot of experience, uh, and those those 70 transactions in my first year were like, threw me in the crucible uh, to get me to where I am today. I bet there's not many real estate agents who started out in the first year they did 70 deals. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a little it was a little nuts. Um, I went on 225 listing appointments that that first year. I mean that's. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So it was a, a totally different business model than I, I kind of incorporate today. So that was a lot of internet lead hunting. So, you know, whether it's Homelight or Zillow or whatever, Dave Ramsey, whatever those leads were coming from, um, you know, I was going on those appointments and trying to sign people up. And uh, now my business is more referral based. So when I go on an appointment or meet with somebody, it's because they trust me. And so building that trust with people that you don't know was kind of, uh, you know, I was able to do that effectively. And now it's just a different business model. Yeah. One thing I did look is I looked at, uh, I like to always look at people's reviews and stuff like that. Your Google reviews is 5.0. That is phenomenal. I mean, most people, oh, they dock you for something that doesn't really correlate to you, but then you're at like 4.9 or 4.8. No, you're at 5.0. And when you go through them, the nice, the, the, the thing that caught my eye was most people were like, Hey, look, when we go show a house, when he shows me a house, he tells me the good and the bad about the house. And I'm, that's phenomenal because that's what we ran into. Our realtor actually did the same thing with us. And especially our first time home buyer, you don't know what you're looking at. You're just basically, you're like a kid walking into a car Oh, the radio works, but walking into a house and like our, our realtor was like, Hey, look, you see this fog in the windows. Hey, that the seals on this are possibly broken, so you might have to replace all these windows. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, um, you know, obviously every transaction is going to have an appraisal and an inspection, but a lot of that work to make sure that there's no hangups in that process is done during the showing and during the research on pricing because you can be reasonably certain that, hey, this is going to be an issue that comes up. Are you guys okay with it? Are the sellers going to be responsive to it? Do we address that prior to when we're talking to that agent and say, hey, what do your clients feel about this? Um, or what do your sellers feel about this? So there's a there's a big um, there's a big amount of work that goes into prior to writing an offer to make sure there are no pitfalls during the uh, transaction process. And then, what areas do you guys or do you normally focus you and your team? So, you know, real estate twenty years ago used to be. Um, you know, hey, I need to know the main street there. I need to know the, each restaurant. I need to know all about the area. But now with the internet, there's so much data available. And, you know, my background being econ, I can, I can review that data and give a reasonably certain understanding of what pricing should be um, with the client, review it with the client. They can see exactly what I'm seeing. We talk about it. And so I'm able to service just about every area. I've sold in Greensburg this year. I've sold uh, all the way up in Atlanta, Indiana, all the way out to Knightstown. Uh, I've sold all the way to Pittsburgh. So all around the area, mostly I deal with north side uh, of Indianapolis. And if you look at where the growth is, that's 
most people are working uh, as it is. So like in, in Hancock, Hamilton, Boone counties, um, that's kind of where my bread and butter is, but that's where all the growth around Indianapolis is as well. So you really know the market. And that's one of those things that, that really sets somebody apart because for whether you're buying a home or you're selling a home, you need somebody who really knows the market. And I'm going to go back to your 70 homes your first year because it blows me away. That's unbelievable. I, I don't know. It, it's just a huge number for, for somebody. But what it means to me is you that that's like a normal agent probably five, six years of business. So that's what you did in, in, in the first year. So you learned that much quicker. That's kind of my point. You You got to understand the markets you already knew Indianapolis because you were living here. You worked in Carmel. I don't know where you lived at that point, but you, you already knew the area, so you understood the area. And then you did that, so you really learned the area and what's important to people. Correct. Yeah, so um, not only the area, but I saw that many inspection responses. I saw that many appraisals. Um, I saw that many low appraisals in one month. And I think 2017, I had eight low appraisals in one month. So, you know, how do you navigate that situation? Um, and again, it just goes back to, you know, usually you have a buyer that wants to buy, you have a seller that wants to sell. How do we get to the closing table and make sure all parties are, are uh, in good standing and happy about the transaction? Yeah. So when you do that, if you're the if you're the um, listing agent, how do you work? What, like what's what's your the way that you work through that with somebody? Well, um, you know, obviously, when I first meet anybody, whether it's a buyer or seller, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about the process, and we're going to have a, a a good conversation to make sure everyone's on the same page, all questions are answered, and we've gone through that. So it's not like a deer in headlights. Uh, you know, when people first contact me, especially buyers, they want to go see a home right away. And, and I'm like, well, here's the thing. You've been looking online. You've looked at 50, 60 homes. You've picked out this one. So you've already qualified all those. There's a good likelihood you're going to like this home, and you're going to want to write on it. Let's not be a deer in headlights and not know how the process works prior to writing. Let's sit down and talk about it. Go through the Indiana Purchase Agreement. Let's talk about what the appraisal process looks like, what the inspection process looks like, what happens um, you know, if things start to go badly. And let's talk through that so you are educated um, prior to ever even going and looking at a home. And same thing with selling. We, we want to talk about timing. What's your goals? Um, when is the best time to list? Uh, you know, We're coming into that season where if a seller comes to me and there's no no real urgency. I don't like listing a home between Thanksgiving and Christmas because there's a lot of buyers that have packed it up. They got their Christmas parties with their, um, you know, their employer. They got their family in-law party, especially coming out of COVID here where Christmas parties maybe not even been a thing for the last two years. Um, those are going to be crucially important. So when you don't necessarily want to list in that point, but I'm telling buyers, hey, if you have some time, let's go look now before the spring market picks back up. It's slow right around this time every year. You may have a seller, if they're listing right now, odds are they're very motivated. So we have a chance of maybe getting in while everyone else is zigging, we're going to zag. So it's all about knowing the market, knowing the ebbs and flows of the market, and uh, getting your client in the best position possible. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of agents out there in this market because we just came out of a different market that are freaking out, especially if they haven't had a lot of time in the business. 
but you're obviously not freaking out. You're, you've been through it. You know it. You've seen it, and you know exactly how this market works. Correct. Yes, it, it is. Uh, people are freaking out. Yes, rates are higher. Um, I have 10 pending homes right now. So it is definitely not slowing, in my opinion, in terms of if you look at nationally, yeah, their home sales are way down. Indianapolis, home sales are down, but typically we have about 8,000 homes on the market right away. Today, we have about 5,500 homes, so we're still 30% low inventory. So what that's telling me is inventory is not built up for this spring market that's going to be coming, and it is going to be hot again. Awesome. And we are, the radio show is ending, so we do appreciate everybody on the radio joining us. And how would they get a hold of you, Brian, if they needed to talk with you? Yeah, so my number is 219-776-0622, and my email is brian at listingindy.com, B-R-Y-A-N at listingindy.com. And if you need to get a hold of Ian or I, go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Branch NMLS number 33041. Rick Ritma's NMLS number 664589. Ian Arnold's NMLS number is 1995469. Equal housing opportunity. Some restrictions apply. Well, first off, thank you for joining us, Danielle. I appreciate it. And I just was curious, how did you come to find out about Rick Ritma and Advisors Mortgage? Well, I was looking for a mortgage for myself for a brand new home that I was building. And I wasn't sure the direction to go. I didn't have anybody in mind. So I kind of just spoke to whoever I could speak to. I got their number and everything seemed to be exactly what I was looking for. So I went with them. The thing I liked the most about Rick and his advisor's mortgage is that I could go and upload things online and I didn't have to always be on the phone with them or sending them documents or um, trying to look for certain things that I needed to get the process going, um, which was really great for me. I had a processor named Mark Boltman who really helped me out in making sure I had everything I needed because I, I didn't know the first thing about having a mortgage, so it was awesome to have so much help. I think probably what I benefited from the most is really just them understanding that sometimes I would get busy and maybe I forgot to upload a document or I forgot to do a certain part of the process in a timely manner and they would get right back with me and it wasn't like a, hey, we really need this right now. It was always, hey, just wanted to make sure you still remember that we need this. Boy, you don't get that too much in this day and age. It seems like most people are either, you know, very demanding of something they need from you and they need it right now and and I agree, I've seen that in, in Rick's attitude with us over, over the last 10 years, that he's very patient, but also helpful to get the right <laughs> things he needs. So Exactly. In conclusion, is Rick Ritma and Advisors Mortgage somebody that you would use in the future and or tell your friends and family about? Absolutely, and I just want to thank them for all the effort they put in to help me find my dream home. Branch NMLS number 33041. Rick Ritma's NMLS number 664589. Equal housing opportunity. Some restrictions apply. I'm Rick Ritma. You can go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. All right, and welcome back. And for all the people who are on the radio, uh, this is exactly where you needed to start for the podcast. So we are still here with Brian Arnold. Again, no relation. Uh, but we are going through what makes him different than everybody else. And he was going through about how every, uh, how he breaks down. and I really loved how he went through, how he sits down and goes through them. This may not be the best time for you to sell your home. If it is, look, we'll, we'll do what we need to do. But look, here, let's look at all the factors. And it, the way he breaks it down is phenomenal because 
to have somebody invested that much and it knows that much about what he's doing is that's the guy you want to talk to. I agree. Yeah. So, Brian, is there anything that you think somebody else should know about you and your company? Yeah. So, like I said before, Keller Williams really hammers on education and uh, the amount of opportunity to learn and to give my clients the most effective uh, information they could possibly get is is crucial to the process. Um, you know, there are about, I think, 10,000 realtors last time I looked oh, in really? Indianapolis. Wow. And this past month, I think there were 3,300 pended new homes or new homes sold. So that's about one-third. Each realtor is doing about one-third of a home. Well, that doesn't quite make sense. Most realtors do about five to seven homes a year and so if you just look at those numbers I, I think I heard that uh, the top 15 percent of agents do about 85 percent of the business and so um, you know I like to think that I'm in, in the top 15 uh, percent of those realtors and so that's why I like to um, you know say hey this is how much business I'm doing because I want you to know that I have the experience to to really get you to where you need to be right and the experience matters and it, you know it's so funny because people a lot of times get they don't really understand the total experience it's the volume you do is really the experience if you if somebody came in and they were doing you know 70 their first year that's that's well if their average is 7 to 10 that's that's 7 to 10 years of business that most people do you learn it so much faster besides that i'll tell you one thing i've learned from you is you how much you care about people it, it, it resonates out of you that you really, if somebody's looking for somebody, uh, looking for a real estate agent, and they really, they need somebody who understands it, they know how this business works, they know how to sell your home, they know how to find you a home, but they have the, the compassion and empathy and caring, I'm telling you what, Brian, Brian's got that. He's exactly what you'd be looking for. Um, I, I just... I just think that that matters a lot because, as you said, it's such a huge decision for people to buy a house. And it's through the process. You had talked about through the process. There's so many things that can be a problem. But some people blow the problem beyond what it should be. And some people, you have this, you seem to have a very calming personality. And so you, I don't think you do that. You probably, okay, this is what we have to work on. Let's figure out how to do it. And you've done it so many times, you know exactly what to do. And that's a, that's a great point. So, you know, throughout the process, you're not only getting me, you're getting my trusted partners. And I think, you know, over time, you learn who is the best inspector, who are great mortgage people to partner with, who are the great people that can, um, you know, fix problems at a, at a good price and give um, good service as well because those people are a reflection of me. And so that not only do you get me, you get those other people to make sure that the pr transaction goes smoothly. And if there are issues, we're going to get through them. And if we don't, if it doesn't make sense, you know, I'm, I'm not doing seven deals a year where this one deal it means whether or not I could pay my mortgage for the next two months. Um, you know, I am, I have high integrity. I think that is crucial to the process as well, is that I am I'm going to always do what's best for my client and 
I what I make or what my commission is does not matter to the transaction at all. So, and if you read some of my reviews, clients have attested to that fact where I've done things that are absolutely in their best interest and actually push for those things in their best interest because that is ultimately what is most important. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yep, I know. I mean, and just to hit it on it a little bit more, I know you hit it somewhat. Well, when you, when you, when a normal person buys a home, they only buy one, let's say, to three homes. Well, you only see very little. When you're selling homes and you've sold, how, how, roughly how many houses do you think you've sold since you've started? Uh, probably about 300. About 300. Okay. That's 300 different situations that he's been through. That is phenomenal. I mean, just because he can, he's probably seen things go uh, every which way. Now, not, he probably hasn't seen everything. <laughs> There's probably that one thing out there that's still going to catch him. But I don't, that's still I don't, quite a bit out there. I don't think any, I don't think any realtor has seen everything. There are some but, wild situations. But still, that's crazy th- stuff. 300 houses he can look back at and go, hey, look, this is, this is what happened this last scenario, or this is what happened this other one. So that is phenomenal. And then, like he was mentioning, if one realtor is only selling one house a year and they've been in the industry for the same, same amount of years, roughly seven, I mean, that's seven homes, seven or 300. I'd rather have the guy that has a lot more experience there. Yeah. Experience matters a lot. Yep. Personality matters a lot. Yep. You have to, you have to have somebody you can, you can, you know, you work well with. I think that that's extremely important and working through issues. I think th- it's one of the biggest things that you have to do in our industry because there's too many, there's too many things that can happen that we have no control over. You have no control over what the house is going to appraise for. Correct. Brian, right? Correct. No one does. No the one appraiser. Does. They're the judge, jury, and executioner. Right. And lenders can't even talk to the appraiser, Correct. You know, the loan officer. So it's, it's strictly what they do it. Now, Here's what I found for the most part. This is not 100%, but what I found is you have a good, solid agent. Usually when you have two agents, a seller and a buyer's agent, they know what the price, the value of that house is. And so if it doesn't appraise, I found most of the time they knew it wasn't going to appraise. Even the buyer knew it wasn't going to appraise because they sometimes they, they knew they had to offer that to get the house, but they also knew it wasn't going to appraise. Or they said, I'm going to pay more. I'm okay with that. But we don't have anywhere near the problems with an appraisal on a purchase because the agents know what they're. If you get a good, if you get good solid agents, you you have you don't you nobody can tell you what an appraisal appraiser is going to appraise a house for. But you have a great idea, correct? And it's about having that um, educational conversation prior to writing an offer. Hey, I could say with reasonable certainty this this house is going to appraise no problem i can't guarantee that but um you know if it doesn't here are our next steps uh and then uh you know earlier this year with the craziness of the market and how things were going over asking it's about educate again educating clients about what potential options they have should it appraise low all right so now where where do you see yourself going towards the future so uh you know it that's a great question. Um, everything has kind of happened so rapidly uh, with the amount of uh, business that's, um, especially income-wise, that has transpired in the past two years that, you know, I hired an admin this year uh, to be able to get help me provide 
the customer service that my clients deserve. Um, when I was on the team, I had a, a listing coordinator uh, and a transaction coordinator that helped me through the process, and that's why I was able to effectively uh, help 70, 70 clients in that first year. So now that my business has started to expand, um, I've hired someone. Uh, I'm looking to make another hire in the next couple months uh, that will uh, that'll help me uh, you know, show homes and help effectively um, help my buyers. So this is going to be a, a transition year, I think, where I'm going to continue to expand. I know a lot of people are worried about where the market's headed. I am, uh, I am a firm believer that Indianapolis is more of a bubble than national um, real estate. Uh, if rates go to 8% or 9%, well, that's all out the window. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and you look at where Indianapolis is positioned in terms of affordability, and the strength of their job market, I am a, I am a bullish uh, believer in where this, where this market is headed. I agree 100%. There's too, there's too many things. Everybody's looking at the market, and they're, they're worried. And there are areas outside of our, ours that may have that. There may even be areas, pockets in our area. I don't know. You, know, you would know better than I. But on the mortgage end, we're, rates are going to, you know, rates are going to come down. There's they're pricing it into the market into rates already. You know they're going to come down by the way they're pricing everything. Won't get into the whole thing, but it's just we know that's going to happen. And rates is part of what has slowed the market down. But it's not really. I don't really think it's the biggest driver of slowing the market down. Is it lack of inventory? It seems like lack of inventory is a has been a big driver of keeping the market from doing the full volume it's capable of doing. Yeah. So we were doing about. At nationally, like 5.9 to 6.1 million sales in the last three years. Uh, that with the rising rates, um, it has, I think, forecasted now about five million homes this year. So about an 18 percent decrease um, from last year in number of home sales. Those buyers aren't gone. Those buyers, uh, I have plenty of them that hey, I could not give fifty thousand dollars over asking and guarantee a low appraisal this year. What they do? They resign their lease. It's not like that buyer's gone. There's still demand there, and when those buyers come back into the market, it's going to deplete inventory more. So, uh, the what's what's lacking right now is the number of affordable homes. So these builders are and cities in general uh, are trying to maximize their tax revenue, and these builders are trying to maximize um, the the amount of money they can make per acre when they buy these homes. So uh, the affordability uh, is still strong here. And what is still very hot is even now multiple offers, even with 7% rates, even in November, you're still seeing multiple offers on homes that I would consider uh, starter homes. So those homes that look good, uh, we're going to continue to see that be very, very strong. Awesome. I, I, I agree. And I think, I think, from what I've heard, and I, I actually love to hear your opinion. From what I've heard, they're thinking that as this right now is a great time for somebody to buy a home, even with the higher rates, because all the things that happened in the last six, eight months, which made houses sell for $50,000 over list price, made multiple offers, all that, all those things that happened have not completely gone away, but they've subsided. It's turned from a total sell, seller's market to more of a midline market. Is that correct? Yeah. So I would still say it's a seller's market. So if you if you are a seller that says, 
I don't have to do anything to my house because it's going to sell. My neighbor down the street sold in two hours. You're wrong. Um, you know, it's getting back to a market where, hey, I have to put the investment and time into my house to make sure I'm going to garner top dollar. Buyers, you know, it used to be 20, 30 years ago that, you know, there's one income maybe in the house, maybe two. Uh, but now life is so fast paced. People don't have time to move in and paint and recarpet. And I'll go out with a buyer that says, oh, I don't want to do all that. And then we'll go to sell their house. I'm like, well, the buyer's going to do what they want anyways. The truth is no one wants to do anything. Seller doesn't want to do anything buyer doesn't want to do anything. Whoever does it's going to get the deal. So either the seller is going to get more money, they're going to get top market dollar, and they're going to sell quickly with the best terms, or the buyer is going to get a deal because they're the ones that are willing to take on that challenge of having to do everything. So I have a client right now that we probably got one well under market value. It's been on the market for a little bit because it needs some paint. It needs it needs some work done to it, um, but they're willing to do that, and they're going to make that equity instead of the seller. Yeah, that It's just amazing when somebody knows what how, how to how to work it you can really help your your clients out we're we're out of time we very much brian appreciate you joining us today. yes thank you for having me and how would they get a hold of you can you run through that again yeah so my number is 219-776-0622 and my email is brian b-r-y-a-n at listing perfect and to get a hold of ian or i it's hardworkingmortgageguys.com that's hardworkingmortgageguys.com Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it and have a great day.